tuning in to the Open Door Ministry Breadcrumbs Podcast with me, your host, Barbara Smith. We are here to share our blog articles with you in an audio format. We know that people are very busy and constantly on the go, but we all still need daily inspiration in our lives. It is our goal to share a few thought-provoking morsels that will challenge you to stay actively engaged in the Word of God. His Word is the bread of life. The Shameful Purloiner by Barbara Smith. They say that a particularly effective way to avoid or try to keep Alzheimer's disease at bay is to do word searches, crossword puzzles, and other games that engage your brain. I do not speak of this lightly or bring this to you in jest because my mother passed away a year ago, February 2021, and had been afflicted with this awful disease. And I suppose I will also be at risk as well. However, I would be amiss if I did not acknowledge for those still living with this condition or a loved one with this illness that there are smatterings of funny, even hilarious moments scattered throughout the long, awful, even sometimes horrifying days. Does the word purloin have anything to do with this? No, it's just a new word for me. However, One thing that comes to mind in trying to correlate the two is that you'd better try to live right and keep your spirit bright because you'd better believe it. The whole unadulterated truth of your true character comes out when you get old, ready or not. Well, purloining is found in the scripture one time in Titus chapter 2 verse 10. It says, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Let us look and see what the word itself means according to Webster. To purloin, the verb, is to appropriate wrongfully and often by breach of trust, or take from another without right or without detection. Webster also provides synonyms for purloin that are helpful in defining the word as well. Appropriate, boost, filch, heist, hook, lift, misappropriate, nick, the British may say, nip, pilfer, pinch, pocket, rip off, snitch, steal, swipe, or thieve. Quite a few ways to say steal. The dictionary also gives an extra, did you know, tidbit. The word purloin features in the title of a famous Edgar Allan Poe story in its past tense form. The purloined letter was included in Poe's 1,845 tales and involves the search for a letter that a cabinet minister had stolen and is now being used to blackmail the rightful owner, an unnamed woman of royalty. When Poe opted for purloin for his story, he was employing a term in use since the 15th century with the meaning to put away 
were to inappropriately take or make use of. The word had had an earlier meaning that was obsolete already, which was to put aside or to render inoperative or ineffectual. An example of purloin in a sentence is, The studio stepped up security, fearing that someone might attempt to purloin a copy of the script for the show's season finale. This gives us the general gist of the meaning that we're going to explore further. Since this word is only found once in scripture, let us look at the word that Paul states someone should show instead of purloining. Fidelity. Titus 2 verse 10 again says, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. This word is also found only once in the King James Version of the Bible. The essential meaning of fidelity, according to Webster's, is, number one, the quality of being faithful to your husband, wife, or sexual partner. Number two, the quality of being faithful or loyal to a country or organization, etc., Number three, the degree to which something matches or copies something else. The full definition of fidelity is the quality or state of being faithful, his fidelity to his wife, for example, accuracy in details, exactness, as in the movie's director insisted on total fidelity to the book and or the degree to which an electronic device such as a record player, radio, or television, accurately reproduces its effect, such as the sound or picture. Synonyms for fidelity are adhesion, alliance, attachment, commitment, constancy, dedication, devotion, faith, faithfulness, loyalty, piety, steadfastness, or trove, which could be seen in the story of Joseph and Mary, as it said they were betrothed, there was a bond and loyalty to an agreement they had made. Wow, that is a lot to sift through, but let us just put it all in simpler terms. The two words used together are showing what we should be and in turn what we should not be, what we should do and what we should not do. Putting the words together in addition to the actual verse would be do not purloin but show good fidelity we could say, or do not misappropriate, but apply with exactness, do not be unfaithful, but be loyal, or do not embezzle or steal, but show alliance, allegiance, and commitment, and so on and so forth with the synonyms. Purloin and fidelity are antonyms, aka opposites of one another. The Bible verse begins with not purloining, but showing all good fidelity. We must remember to find the context of a scripture to know the who, where, what, and why of the instructions. Going all the way back to the beginning of the book of Titus will show you in the first verse who is the author of the book or the letter. Then verse 4 reveals to whom it is being written. Paul is writing to Titus, we discover. Verse 5 begins to reveal why he is writing to Titus. He has left Titus in charge of appointing and ordaining elders in the churches in surrounding cities. He was an appointed district official, as it were, finding pastors for the various churches that had sprung up. 
The word bishop that you see there is another word for pastor. And verse 6 then begins with Paul reiterating what he has already told Titus, how a pastor should act and what would be the qualifications of a pastor, things they should do and not do. Paul warns that a pastor and his family's conduct would all come under scrutiny and consideration. Then from Titus 1 verse 6 to Titus 2 verse 10, which is the verse we are discussing, the admonitions continue. Then in Titus 2 11 through 14, Paul gives the wise. In chapter 2 verse 15 to chapter 3 verse 11, Paul is encouraging Titus to be strong, teach with authority, and do not back down no matter what others say. Then Paul concludes the letter in Titus 3, 12 through 15 with general greetings and instructions. So are we saying that our verse is referring to the elders, pastors, and bishops, those in leadership and in charge, though it would certainly apply to them to not purloin but to show all good fidelity. Our verse is referring to those who are not in the limelight, not in leadership, and those who may think that they could get away with a little disloyalty here and there. It is actually referring to servants. Our verse Titus 2 verse 10 is directly preceded by verse 9 which states, Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. Notice the end of the verse is a semicolon. This indicates that there is an incomplete thought or a prerequisite thought that will be followed by a completing sentence. Therefore, it would seem to indicate that our verse is a continuation in talking about servants. Servants who are also believers. This puts a whole new spin on things and takes the blame and the heat off of our leaders for once and puts it right down to us where the rubber meets the road. If you are a child of God, your conduct should not be as those who are unbelievers. Unbelievers, because they have formed a habit or have ignored their own conscience to where it does not even bother them anymore, as servants or aka employees of any sort, they will often lie, cheat, and steal from their employers. We as employees in any profession should not act in this matter, not purloining, embezzling, cheating, stealing, misappropriating funds or information, but we should show all good fidelity, faithfulness, loyalty, commitment, and honor. True Christian character is shown by what you do when you are all alone. For instance, in an office where there's no camera or there are no co-workers around all the time to keep you honest or keep you towing the line. A little number switching here and there is important and it is purloining. Remember that we are always in the presence of the Lord. He is always watching and it is Him that we should ultimately be wanting to please. Another passage in the scripture bears witness to this. Colossians 3 verses 22 through 24 states, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, 
for ye serve the Lord Christ. Let us not always lay the blame upon the leadership. Even servants are called to honesty and to be forthright in their dealings. Everyone is a leader to someone, even if it is just to our children. Having all good fidelity also comes with wonderful benefits such as peace and joy, a possible raise on the job, or consideration for promotion, and even a good night's sleep. Whereas purloining comes with a high price tag of shame, losing your reputation, your job, your peace of mind, and possibly your family and friends. Not all servants are purloiners, but all purloiners are servants. What do you see in the following story? This is a folk tale from Korea called The Thief and the King. Long ago in Korea, a thief was caught stealing a bit of silk. He was brought before the king. Your punishment will be a lesson to others, the king told the thief. I will not tolerate stealing in my realm. He sentenced the thief to serve 10 years in jail. Alone in his jail cell, the thief hung his head. He cursed the fact that he lived under the rule of an intolerant king. True, he had committed a crime, but 10 years seemed so unjust. The clever thief paused to consider all that the king had said and done. The next morning, he asked the jailer to take him to the king. Ridiculous, the jailer laughed harshly. Don't waste my time. But every day the thief made the same request. Each day his plea became more urgent until he finally told the jailer, I must give the king this precious gift before it is too late. The jailer's curiosity won out and he agreed to arrange for the thief to see the king. When the thief entered the great hall, he walked slowly past the members of the royal council, the minister of defense, the minister of the treasury, the minister of education, and the queen. At last, the thief bowed before the king. Your Highness, please accept this gift, said the thief. He held out a small parcel wrapped in gold silk. The king untied the silk wrapping. He almost dropped what lay within, when he saw what it was. Do you wish to make a fool of me? The king sputtered angrily. This is not a precious gift, he cried. This is a worthless plum pit. Take this thief back to his cell, he demanded. Wait, your highness, cried the thief. A tree with golden plums will grow for the one who plants that pit. I must give it away because only a person who has never lied, cheated, or stolen will succeed in growing the golden plums, the thief explained. I am sure that your highness is a man worthy of this gift. The king hung his head, remembering how he had lied to the queen after breaking her favorite vase. No, he confessed, I am not worthy. Your minister of defense then, suggested the thief. He must be a man who deserves such a gift. The minister of defense turned away in shame as he thought of bribes he had accepted. The thief turned. He held out the pit to the minister of the treasury. Will you accept this gift? The minister of the treasury put his hands in his pockets. He felt the gold coins he had taken from the king's coffer. He sighed and shook his head. Walking around the royal hall, the thief offered the pit to every person in the room. No one could accept the gift. 
No one was free from having lied, cheated, or stolen. Members of the royal council, the thief cried out, You have all lied, cheated, and stolen, yet here you are, free to live as you see fit. I stole a mere bit of silk to wrap my gift for the king. For that I am locked in a jail cell. Where is the justice in this? The enlightened king paused to consider all that the thief had said and done. Go free, he proclaimed. You have taken much, but you have given more. Thank you for this gift. There are so many lessons in this short story, but it comes down to the fact that we may all be guilty of purloining in some fashion, shape, or form, but have never been caught. The one who has been caught has been punished by imprisonment. He felt the punishment was too steep for the crime. However, to the king it was not only a matter of honor, but a high-priced commodity that was stolen. I read that it takes 2,500 silkworms to make one pound of silk. It is a major undertaking and therefore a very costly and luxurious item. The king realized in the end that the lesson they had learned was of equal or more value than the silk itself. However, as clever as his idea was, did the servant really change his ways or just find a way to get out of something by pointing out everyone else's faults? Did he learn the value of what he had taken and the importance of fidelity? Was he purloining even here in the royal hall? These are certainly questions to contemplate. As a servant to humanity or to our jobs, we should do it all as unto the Lord. As Paul in the book of Colossians urges us, in a good conscience and with a pure heart and motive, our reward is from the Lord, whether we see it here on earth or until we get to heaven. If we do all as unto the Lord, we can hold our heads high without shame, and we will keep ourselves accountable and loyal to the company or the cause to which we have committed. We want to be known as trustworthy, steadfast, and honest in all of our dealings in life. We want to be the one who is loyal and shows good fidelity. No matter how great the temptation is before us or how beautiful and valuable the piece of silk in front of us might be. To adorn ourselves with the doctrine of God our Savior, as Paul states in our verse in Titus, is much more preferred than to be a purloiner clothed in the finest silk. Thanks for joining us today. We trust you have been nourished and blessed. Always remember the Lord is faithful and His mercies are new every morning. Until next time, God bless.